Hello, welcome ventures to the Travel Log, podcast in which I, Stephen Hopper, my pronouns are he, him, and Lily Lavin, she, her, will be diving into the world of Faerun from the Dungeons and Dragons tabletop role-playing game. We will go area by area, town by town, to provide a background of canonical lore, as well as suggestions on what type of encounters you can run in an area, or what type of characters you can create whose backgrounds are based in an area. This week, we're covering Nunar Hold and Lost Peaks. Lily, what do you know about the Uthgard barbarians? They're barbarians and they're Uthgard. <laughs> that's it? That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. That's all you, that's, that's all you need to know. I don't know. I like them. They're like, I think they're a good example of there's like that thing. D&D internet might be over it now. But back when Monsters of the Multiverse was coming out and there was that whole, you know, kind of controversy of like, orcs are evil, goblins are evil. That's just the way it is. And then half mm. the people were like, that's racist. Right, right. I think the Uthgard barbarians are a good example of like, orcs that aren't orcs. Yeah. They're just a faction of barbarians that go around fucking shit up and you need adventures to stop them. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think they're great for that they always say replace evil races with factions and this is such an easy like you're strolling along the road and you see this group of fucking barbarians they've got these banners and they've got these you know blood dripping battle axes and cage full of i don't know corpses or some shit they very clearly just looted somewhere and you don't even have to explain they're evil the party's just going to be like huh you know one perception one investigation check that shows that they're loading up looted shit and the party's going to be like, huh, these are bad guys. Yeah, 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 true. And I think they're, uh, I don't know, they're also kind of the classic. They're, I, I always think they're what you think of if you say raiding horde of barbarians. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, very much so. Also, I don't know if we'll get into this, but I mean, I also know that Uthgart was a barbarian who did so good at being a barbarian that the god of war was like, hey, buddy, come be a demigod. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now he goes around on his, what is his steed? His steed is like a giant boar or something. No, isn't that like a pegasus? It's like a, I think it's a, it might be a pegasus. Horse and wings. But uh, yeah. now he flies around the heavens <laughs> on his, uh, yeah, Uthgar flies around the heavens on his, yeah, it's a pegasus doing barbarian shit. The battle father. Yeah. <laughs> the holy barbarian shit. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's good. And actually some people think that Michelle Rodriguez's character in the new D&D movies, an Uthgard barbarian, because she has, like, a stag symbol. One of the Uthgard barbarians is, like, a stag huh. barbarian. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. I could I could see it. I think for anyone making a barbarian character, an Uthgard barbarian who left the tribe for whatever reason would be a good one, mm, especially yeah. if you were, like, a zealot barbarian who worships Uthgard. He's the god of physical strength, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And so I love the idea of, like, every morning you curl you know you do uh you do you you do curling you do like uh muscle reps and push-ups and literally just lift the heaviest thing around and when someone's like is that to keep up your shape you're like no it is me praying to my it is me praying to my god i am showing veneration to uthgar do you think i could pick up this cart watch me try yeah that'd just be that'd be great for adding a bit of kind of religious flavor to a barbarian without being like oh you know without being like yeah religious religious yeah you still get to be a big dumb oaf barbarian but yeah, exactly religious big dumb oaf barbarian i think that'd be <laughs> pretty fun i think it'd be pretty damn fun uh the Uthgard are a black-haired and blue-eyed folk descended from a mixture of northmen netherese and a few savage 15 tribes one of these descendant tribes includes beol rooney who live by raiding hunting gathering and farming Presently, the Uthgart are divided into 
scattered tribes, each named after the beast totem which Uthgart conquered. Oh, yeah. As an aside of what we were just talking about, totem barbarian. Mm. I think actually Uthgart is the literally the what is it patron the inception oh, the inception, inception of yeah. the idea of the totem barbarian i think this is where it comes from that subclass right we're gonna look here and yeah just by skimming forward the at least the one i see there these are literally the totems you can pick right right as a totem barbarian oh, so you okay. could literally be from that specific totem tribe even. right yeah yeah which i think is quite cool also for everyone listening uthgar is hilarious looking <laughs> he is pretty he looks like your classic viking barbarian except he's got blonde like beautiful blonde hair pulled into a long braid mm-hmm. that's like goes down to like halfway down his back and then he's got freaking blonde handlebar mustache <laughs> yeah no beard just the handlebars it's great. he looks like a biker he look, yeah he looks like a, a, a biker dude transported to medieval times yeah that's exactly what he is yo that'd be a great barbarian instead of playing dumb oaf play biker gang biker gang yeah <laughs> the elk tribes wander the evermores and the land north of the saran river between yartar and norin's hold of all the tribes they're the most arrogant surly and self-indulging considered by many to be little more than bandits they often raid other tribal settlements for food and sport they have loose ties with the rulers of luskin but are unwelcome elsewhere the elk barbarians shun civilization. Their spirit mound is a rocky tor in the southeastern Surbrin Hills called Flintrock. The elk tribe's great chief is Rond Varson, an old battle-hardened warrior who has spilled so much blood that he no longer craves it. Younger chieftains are waiting for him to die so that they can vie for the honor of being his successor, but Rond doesn't plan on leaving this world anytime soon. The spirit mound of the elk tribe is situated in the midst of the Evermores atop a gnarly knob of flinty stone that's perpetually shrouded in fog. Its rings, carns, and altar mound are created from piles of heap rock barren of plant growth. The enormous basin surrounding the altar mound is shaped like the silhouette of a leaping elk stag, although this image isn't really apparent when the area is seen from ground level. Buried under the carns are the bones of the elk tribe's greatest warriors. On the higher ground of the ring outside the basin, placed outward from the altar along the cardinal directions, are four minhirs of solid gray stone the elk tribe's shamans use to track the passage of time, the change of the seasons, and the movement of the stars. They're also all fast as shit. No, yeah. The elk totem gives you 15 feet more movement speed, <laughs> and uh, at level 7, I think. It makes it so, whether on foot or mounted, your travel pace overland is double. Oh, damn. Okay, yeah, so they're super just, fast. These guys are just running around. Every- this is why they can't be conquered. This is why they're so uh, they're so self-indulgent and arrogant. Yeah. Because they know, they know tomorrow they're going to be way gone. Yeah. They're going to be so far out of here yeah. that no one even, no one knows how to find them. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, no one can chase them down. It's fun. I like the kind of one aspect of Barbarian, I feel, that is there in almost every one of the subclasses. And just your regular Barbarian features, Feral Instinct, I guess. I guess it's in most of the subclass features. But, like, I like the kind of mystical sense of a Barbarian. Mm. Like, you, they really keep that kind of shaman or um mm-hmm. in you know the barbarian shows they all have sorcerers that cast runes and stuff yeah and i think that that's a really cool aspect of barbarian that gets kind of shoved to the side a bit yeah like uh, they get spirit walker at level 10 the totem warrior barbarians the uthgar one that lets them cast commune with nature right right yeah yeah it's true like it's cool i don't know I think it's a feature of Barbarian that is often forgotten about, and I like that. I like that they have spirit mounds and stuff. Yeah, cool. yeah, they're a lot more 
yeah, it's a lot more spiritual than not like clerical or like religious, but like spiritual in their nature than like a fighter that's just good warrior fight good yeah exactly i've always like i always think yeah kind of like this mystical primal spirit of our ancestors you know there's at least three totem zealot and ancestral guardians there's also storm herald i don't know i think it's a cool aspect of barbarian class and lore that uh, is often kind of shoved to the side yeah yeah i agree nobles and wealthy merchants of Waterdeep speak of nunar's hold in awe at least they do if they're interested in hunting or pretending to be. Most folk of the south think this is the best place for hunting in all the north. Noonan's Hold is the most popular hunting spot among Waterdavian nobles too poor to own or defend their own fortified lodge. The Hold is a small village of about 120 folk, clustered around a fortified keep on the north bank of the river Desarin, upstream from Dead Horse Ford, and just west of the High Forest. Most of the village consists of stone cottages and stables nestled among trees. Named for a long-dead hunter who once lived in the keep, Nunar's Hold is populated by foresters who make their living hunting game in the high forests. This consists mainly of deer, bear, and boar. Although many smaller furried creatures and forest fowl are also brought home for the table. The foresters also earn good money guiding wealthy thrill-seekers from Neverwinter, Everland, and, and Silvery Moon, who want to hunt boar, elk, bear, and owlbears in the forest. Most folks don't know about the hold is that the whole thing is a sham. Five lazy wizards dwell in a keep and spend their time investing or spending the take and studying spells. They also take the shapes of great winged panthers or craig cats and menacing hunters from afar, shielding against arrows by protection from normal missile spells. After scaring the hunters sufficiently, the wizards will lead them into the four steps, then vanish via teleport. The wizards have a deep spawn, held captive in the cave deep in the forest near the hold. They feed it dead stags, owlbears, elks, bears, and other forest game, so they could spew out living replicas of these game animals for hunters to find. The wizards are very concerned about the reputation of the hold, and they take care to keep the truth from the village folk. Anyone who stumbles upon the deep spawn or reveals too much as too much of a good guess about what's going on instantly becomes prey. The wizards use beasts they create or summon to hunt the hunters till the threat to their tidy little income is dead. I think I can see a few fun quests that I can see going on here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. You know the classic uh, 80s movie with... Uh, the Cabin in the Woods kind of thing? Frick, what's... 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 No, 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 no. Better than that. You know the classic 80s movies? Frick, with John Cusack. You know like the classic John Cusack 80 movies? Oh, right, where right. you go up to the, you know, Whistler Mountain. Right. And you're going and you're skiing. But the rich kids are being jackasses. They've gone to ski <laughs> lessons. They've got Flanders. They've got stupid sexy Flanders outfits on. Right, yeah. You know, for aerodynamics. <laughs> and then you challenge them to the big race mm. and for some reason everyone on the mountain is all invested in your 18 year old big race yeah. and so i could see like okay if you're playing in in water deep right um because i mentioned water davia nobles if you're playing in water deep i think it would be really funny to have so many of these surrounding areas i'll tie back to water deep right if you have a noble then like depending on the character i think it would be really fun to have it so that you know this is where you go hunting and it's like a big part of your family history you go hunting every year <laughs> up at uh nonar's hold and uh it's this big it's this epic great thing but then these other nobles show up during the campaign and they're like oh right 
What are you bragging about going to Noanar's hold for? That's only for poor people who can't afford their own hunting lodges. My daddy has a hunting lodge. <laughs> Just last year, I caught three owl bears. And you become kind of rivals in the city. You keep running into these jackasses who make fun of you for hunting at Noanar's hold. So, of course, you challenge them to a hunt-off. At Noah Nars Hold, the big hunt. Finally, you're just like, you think you can hunt better than me? You look down on the hold, man. I challenge you. I challenge you to a hunt off. And you get to have a little uh, vacation arc of going to Noah Nars Hold yeah. and having a hunting contest. And I think that that would be really fun character development and a really fun kind of low stakes low stakes side quest for your character mm -hmm. um if you could get the dm to play along i think that would be really fun or dm if you happen to have people that like hunting or another thing you could do is if they're in if they have like a patron at all maybe not even a patron just a friend like you know if they've been if they've become friend with uh never ember what's his name Degult? not Degult, the one that still lives there oh, I don't he's in the beginning either. of Waterdeep dragon heist yeah. either way young never ember is there and uh he's got a little friend who looks like him and in our canon they were gay because why not right maybe like they have a friend like that and he's the one getting bullied for going hunting at no in our hold and so when he puts a team together to for his hunting team to fight against the nobles hunting team he hires the party right yeah this is a way you could do it and if you have if they have a connection like that like a young noble friend you could set it up really early too by when they come to visit him they walk in on the end of the bullying scene. Right, yeah. And I think that could be really fun. And then, of course, with this wizard thing, it transitions into a horror movie. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. One of the nobles never comes back, and the lead noble is like, eh, there's something in the woods, man. This hunting trip was a trap. You fucked us. You did this on purpose, man. Sven's never coming back. Oh, no, Sven. There's a terrible multi-legged monster. Deep Spawn are hilarious looking, by the way, but still. Yeah, they are. <laughs> and then it turns into a horror movie of you have to go out into the woods and find the missing nobles yeah. and slay the uh, Deep Spawn and then reveal the wizards for what they've been doing mm -hmm. yeah i think that's cool and like i think too you were talking about connecting it to Waterdeep. another thing you could do because we talked about like porting strixhaven to Waterdeep. it would be a really good like field trip of strixhaven you know yeah like winter break someone goes back or there's a noble and goes there like whatever the school takes you all out to nooner's hold i think it could be a really good spot you get you get you get challenged to a hunting contest yeah exactly exactly <laughs> yeah and then when over spring break you go up there you don't even have to have any connection to it yeah. the guy challenging you has the connection in this story yeah i think it's just really fun for that classic 80s movie fun time little take a break Go for a hunting trip. Yeah. And then, of course, terrible shit happens because of wizards. Because whenever a wizard is anywhere, terrible shit happens. Uh, of course. Also, it is it is Rainier, never remember. Rainier, right, Rainier. The Boar is a dark, cozy place built of massive logs hiding in the shade of some old, stout shadow top trees. It rambles up and down the rolling land, linking all 42 guest rooms on a single floor. Worn carpets keep your feet warm on the way to and from the common dining room, bars, baths, and your own room. Some of these rugs look to be old tapestries, presumably from long-fallen keeps. They're mostly northern hunting seams cut into ribbons to fit the hallways. Furniture is stout and comfortable and most likely scavenged from some vanished keeps. There's a strict rule against spellcasting. Those who break it are thrown out instantly into the night, clad and equipped as they are, forfeiting their possessions. Ostentatiously, this ban is to prevent fires and other destructive mayhem, but it is suspect that it helps ensure that the hunt lords don't face any challenges. 
The boar is also known for its baths, where guests of both sexes can bathe in steamy chambers that has three hot and two cold baths sunk into the floor. All the baths are of copper and have seat ledge inside to allow up to eight guests to sit in comfort. One of the hot water baths usually has scented oils added to it. Guests too shy or too dirty to visit the baths can elect to bathe in their own rooms. A portable hip bath is brought and filled with water. Meals are always game, augmented by rounds of loaves of hard black nut bread, cheese, and pots of smoked spiced riverfish. The latter is a salty mixture of all sorts of old, strong-smelling fish ground together. The game one eats consists whatever's been brought in, but always follows a pattern. Fowl is served first, accompanied by cabbage and greens. Small animals follow, such as rabbits, round rodents, fox, and the like. They're often served with white sauce or cooked in red wine. Unusual animals are next, beaver, wolf, manticore, etc., and then the main meat, elk, bear, and owlbear follow. Finisher is jellies and the boar. At least one boar roasted whole is brought in. Its tusks are painted black to match the name of the inn. It is accompanied by trays of steaming meat cooked in thick gravy, gleaning from the drippings of everything prepared in the inn kitchen. It is usual for diners to fall asleep, groaning at the tightness of their bellies in their chairs at the end of a meal or stagger to their rooms for a snooze. The boar is famous for a grisly legend. An adventurer staying at the hold recognized a fellow guest as a wizard and former colleague, and demanded the return of some money owed him long ago. The wizard responded by paralyzing him with a spell, polymorphing him, and then having him cooked and served in the place of the boar at the end of the evening meal. There are also rumors heard mainly in Waterdeep that the inn is furnished from several old, overgrown high forest keeps, dating from the centuries after Nethril fell, when many wizard lords built fortified refuges. Much treasure, the tale goes, was also found in these keeps. Mostly, this includes items and apparatus of strange magic, items that the finders feared and could not master. These are said to lie in vaults hidden under the trapdoors and accessible by secret passages from certain rooms of the boar. They're supposedly just waiting for someone who dares master them. This place is just, yes, okay, not only is this the 80s movie on the mountain, yeah. this is also just such a quintessential anime episode. <laughs> um, I can just imagine Inuyasha and Kagome and Miroku, you know, they're walking along the feudal countryside and they come across Noanar's Hold, this small little city. They don't know what's going on. Inuyasha's like, this is stupid, let's leave. And then, you know, Miroku's like... Oh, I smell food. And then a hot girl walks by and he's like, nope, we're staying. And then, you know, there's a sign up that says the hunting festival yeah. and the contest or whatever. And Kagome convinces Inuyasha to take part in the hunting festival. And he actually is, he's being the tsundere that he is. And he's, he's not, a, he doesn't want to, he's acting like he doesn't want to do it, but secretly he's having a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. This is a perfect place for a little breather side quest, yeah. a little beach episode, but it's a hunting lodge episode because the thing that makes me think this is the baths. The baths, yeah. All, all little side, you know, there's always, anime has two types of beach episode, three. There's the festival episode, mm -hmm, right. whether school or fireworks. There's the beach episode. And then there is the uh, hot springs, the hot springs, hot yeah. springs episode. <laughs> and this is the perfect place for the hot springs episode. While your party is relaxing in the hot springs after a day of hunting, you hear a scream in the distance. And that's when the freaking deep spawn plot starts to unravel. Yeah, yeah. Or secondary idea, which could also be quite fun, is so someone comes... Uh, there's a guest in town, and he's staying at the boar. Mm. And with him comes the arrival of a giant boar. 
but the giant boar is a ghost. Mm. The ghost of a giant boar. The ghost of this giant boar starts terrorizing the city at night. Nobody knows why. Nobody can figure out why. You kill the boar, it comes back the next night. And, of course, the party doesn't know that until they kill the boar. Right, yeah, yeah. And then it comes back the next night. They don't know how to stop this. And so it turns out that the new traveler from out of town is actually the long-lost descendant of this wizard mm. that such so brutally murdered this old guest. And so this ancestor coming in, he's looking for this gold right. that's here, this this treasure that's hidden here. Let's say it was either the boar's treasure or the wizard's treasure, mm -hmm. right? He's looking for it. He doesn't want to tell anyone who he is or why he's here, but his presence has offended the dead spirit. Right. Yeah, that's cool. Who is stuck as a boar. Because he died as a boar, he's stuck in the afterlife as a boar. And so the quest becomes, well, find a way to uncurse him. Yeah. Turn him back from a boar spirit to a human spirit, and then do whatever needs to be done in the boar to untether his spirit to the location and allow him to move on to his chosen afterlife. Probably involves killing this traveler from out of town. Yeah, that's cool. I like that a lot. Yeah. So he can finally get his revenge, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really cool. I like that idea. I like the kind of poor ghost. I think it'd be fabulously fun. Yeah, right. You could even have the same scene where they're chilling in the yeah. hot springs, the bath, and you hear the scream outside, except now it's the yeah, yeah. giant boar. Yeah, I also think it'd be good with these like kind of lost Nethery's artifacts that like they couldn't figure out how to control. Good place to hide like a cursed item that like calls to one of the players at one point like the player goes down to bed and they ro they roll and True. they hear it and they find a trap door in their room and they go underneath and they find this like you know item they feel compelled to follow this kind of feeling mm -hmm. oh you could do like a whole like the shining thing here yeah where they they someone sleeps gets a cursed item and then like goes like they're compelled to like murder random guests and so like when they find out the guests are being murdered it's like they the players know it's one of their party members but like slowly the they figure out it's one of the party members doing it that true i mean or you could go the route and not have it a party member and just have it another guest yeah yeah or it turns out to be like the daughter of the innkeeper right yeah i think man this random inn this is the most quest fodder of an inn we've come across in a while <laughs> maybe we're just yeah. on today maybe it's not the inn maybe it's us i don't know <laughs> But I love this. I love this place. Yeah. I feel like bathhouses and uh, hot springs and stuff is, at least for me, part of my quintessential fantasy is, you know, mm. Inuyasha and like Bleach isn't really fantasy, but, you know, growing up watching anime. Yeah. Right. right. They always go to hot springs. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Having a bathhouse and like, especially like a cabiny bathhouse where like, I'm, I'm yeah. guessing there's like wood walls or like log walls. It feels very like cozy, but also like. You know, you got to have some creepiness, too. Yeah, I mean, it also fits perfectly in with the uh, summer on the mountain. Yeah, Going exactly. winter on the mountain, going skiing. There's always hot tubs in that. Yeah. You're sitting in the hot tub, and the rich guy comes up with his trophy, and is like, ah, ha, ha, pushes you into the hot tub. <laughs> yeah. All the ladies laugh. Yeah. you're like, I'll show you. I'll show you. I'll get you. You you've besmirched my honor, but I'll show you. <laughs> Not enough honor gets besmirched. Not enough honor. besmirch more honor. Yeah. In all quests. In the 14th century DR, some who ventured to Nunar's Hold never returned, spurring dark rumors that the five hunt lords who ruled Nunar's Hold were arranging wanton slaughters to amuse their guests and even allowing their guests to hunt one another. The place was shunned and the village fell on hard times for a century. The rumors were true. The hunt lords played all sorts of terrible games at the expenses of the wealthy employers. A century and a half ago, to escape their inevitable deaths, the hunt lords forged a pact with Orcus who transformed them into five whites. 
Necromancers in the Demon Lord's service helped the Hunt Lords turn inanimate bones of their long-dead horses into five animated warhorse skeletons. Every night after sunset, the Hunt Lords ride out of their skeletal steeds to patrol the lands around Nunor's Hold, looking for worthy prey to hunt. They always return to the keep before sunrise in the following morning. They have no interest in harming the local villagers, whom they view as their subjects. The villagers are well aware of the Hunt Lord's escapades, but Nunor's Hold is so isolated that few others know the Hunt Lords still exist. Today, the residents of Nunor's Hold rarely stray from their homes. They don't speak of the Hunt Lords, nor do they warn visitors away. Fearing of the Hunt Lords' wrath, they keep to themselves and say little to or nothing about their undead masters. The village's once famous hunting lodge, the White Hart Inn, stands amid low stone cottages and stables. The creaky building is well-maintained on the inside, offering a bit of grandeur and otherwise rustic setting. The innkeeper is a courteous little man named Avgar Filroy, who has permanent unseen servants to help with cleaning. He is a little delusional and speaks of the hunt lords as if they are still alive, even though he has seen evidence to the contrary. He says that the hunt lords are retired and don't wish to be disturbed, and he warns guests to stay in the lodge at night, claiming that the lands around Nunor's Hold is haunted by spirits of dead hunters. Characters who seek an audience with the hunt lords must first speak with Amrath Molnobar, a Castilian of the hunt lords' keep. Amrath has served the hunt lords for more than two centuries, dating back to when they were still alive. Now he's a gray-bearded curmudgeon who hangs about the dark halls of the keep. The hunt lords lurk in a dusty ground-floored banquet hall, slumped in chairs around cobweb-draped dining tables. They spend their days reminiscing about the good old times and attack any creature other than Amrath who disturbs them. Behind their chairs are piles of horse bones. I was going to say, this suddenly became not bathhouse episode territory when we bring frickin' Orcus in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I got two ideas here that I think is kind of cool. Because so Orcus... Yeah. We've never really done Orcus, but Orcus is the classic... One of the classic big bad evil guys of dnd canon you know right. cr 27 or something he should be the prince of demons but instead it is the stranger things guy oh yeah um demigorgon the demigorgon is instead but uh they've kind of switched places a few times he's the necromancer mm-hmm. orcus is the necromancer okay right he's he's the greatest necromancer in the multiverse he invented lichdom mm-hmm. if he didn't invent it he's just the only one you can't become a lich without making a deal with orcus okay okay um he's the one that holds the secret to the lich ritual he mm-hmm. like he is the necromancer right. his staff allows him to just summon liches He's terrifying. So I think it'd be cool if you were running that kind of campaign, yeah. like a necromancer campaign, whether it involved Orcus or not. I think a good one would be you have a regular necromancer, and then when you kill the necromancer at level 15, you graduate to Orcus for your level mm-hmm. 15 to 20 section of the campaign. Orcus gets pissed off that you killed his necromancer, you know, Tenebrous or something. So the one of two ways. Either these guys are kind of like the low-level yeah. kind of generals, terrorizing the region that your party has started in and then you can still do the bathhouse thing it's just that only one of the hunt lords is here yeah right at the time yeah and that's who's terrorizing it and you're like what the fuck is going on our cute little episode turned into a ghost story yeah and then you know you've got to kill these hunt lords to get i don't know your freaking plot token and so you can redeem your plot to coupon to the dm to get on to the next part after the hunt lords and i think that could be pretty fun i think essentially undead rangers on mm-hmm. skeletal war horses would create cool 
low-level big bad evil guys. You know, you have, what, yeah. five of them? Uh, yeah, five. Yeah. You got to take them on one by one. Maybe there's a pair in there, so you have four mm. fights. Two of them are, like, twins or lovers. And I think that that could be a really fun quest line from, like, levels, you know, five to ten. I think that could be great. Yeah. Or, same quest line, but instead they are still retired, but they hold a secret that you need. Mm. And so you have to come and barter with them, which is, right. in my opinion, the scarier of the two quest lines. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> you have to go to these retired freaking thralls of orcus who just sit here in the underground being fucking depressed retired undead tyrants and yeah. you gotta barter with them yeah i think that's great you gotta figure out what they want and then you have to have this kind of uneasy alliance where you're like oh we really shouldn't be siding with these guys i don't think we should be helping them do this but we kind of don't have any other choice yeah maybe yeah i like that i like them being kind of like because they, yeah they, they go around but they don't they only they don't like seem to like kill everyone they lord over everyone. So they have this interesting, like, it seems like, intelligence to them. Yeah, I mean, well, whites are smart. Yeah. But it seems like they don't do anything anymore. Mm-hmm. It seems like those days are over. And I think it could be fun because you could tie in this kooky, crazy innkeeper. Yeah. Like, the party comes here knowing there's a thing they need, but they don't know that it's the hunt lords. Right, yeah. And they don't hear about the hunt lords until this crazy innkeeper starts rambling about them. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. I think it's cool. Whites are cool. I think they're one of my favorite undeads. Yeah, whites are fun. Smart undead. Yeah. They can kill people and turn them into ghouls. Yeah, I think that's really cool. The Hall of Four Ghosts, its name long lost to all but the most learned of historians. This ruined dwarf hold was once a logging town where dwarves harvested mighty trees from the high forest for the clans throughout the north. It now draws its title and reputation from its, its last remaining building, the decrepit Great Hall of the city's former lord. The hall, abandoned from past centuries since the fall of Askelhorn, is still haunted by four ghosts. This quartet of Dorn spirits share a common link. They are all tragic lovers who cause each other's deaths. While a number of dwarf adventurers have sought to free the ghosts from their torment, something holds them there against all attempts to turn them or bring them to peace. Unlike many ghosts of the realm, they also all seem oblivious to anyone or anything aside from each other. If there is any knowledge about the four ghost identities and the reason for their postmortem plight, it is so rare that no one speaks of it in the lands of the savage frontier. Curiously enough, the ghosts of the halls instantly converge around the entrance if a dwarf comes within ten yards of it. They then appear to beckon and plead silently with the dwarf for something. No dwarf has entered these ruins or tunnels for nearly a century, so this tale is long forgotten among the tavern tales. Tunnels burrow deep from the former Dwarven Holds town's location to caverns and tunnels networks far beneath the western high forest. The upper entrances are likely all blocked by rocks, but it is possible to shift some rocks and enter individually. Giant trolls are known to layer here along with their normal relatives. These tunnels eventually make some connections to the Underdark and have in the past been places for drow and illithid slavers to bring new slaves down to the Underearth. If you're playing a dwarf and you're not doing the quest line of reclaiming my dwarf family stronghold yeah then you're not playing DD right you're not playing a dwarf right come on that's the dwarf story there's only that's one the of them story. you are yeah. mandatory to play it if you are playing a dwarf it doesn't have to be your whole story it can just be one of your little goals yeah but yeah this is a perfect place for that i love that and also this one is a little bit funkier than they are usually yeah Usually it's just like, ah, orcs took over our dwarf house and I'm going to go take it back. 
whereas this one's a little bit funkier, has a little bit more nuance, mm -hmm. and also is a little bit, you know, smaller, quainter. It's not, we're going to the largest dwarf stronghold that ever existed and freeing it from its evil grasp so I can go back to being the dwarf king. It's, you know, this is just some random dwarf forestry hold. Yeah. Second, if you don't want to do that idea... I think a fun one, this is just a fucking random encounter along the road, mm. if you have a dwarf. Yeah. Literally, yeah. they're just walking along the road. You mention that there's, it can be a planned random encounter, yeah. but you mention that there's uh, some ruins, and when they walk forward, the second the dwarf gets close, this happens. And everyone in the party, I guarantee, are going to be like, what? Yeah. Depending on who your dwarf <laughs> is, this could be one of those, you know, yeah, planned random encounters yeah. and there's stuff in here about the dwarf's history that they didn't even know about mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah and it opens up a whole new quest line for this dwarf character yeah i think that's really cool i like that a lot it opens up this like opportunity i like the spurn lovers they're not like violent they're mm -hmm. like calling them on so i think that's a really interesting like i would be enticed to like s figure out what's going on i think it's really cool yeah 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 i like that and then like yeah dwarf forestry place i think it's cool if you were saying that was your lost keep or something you're coming to bring back because like forestry dwarves doesn't really go hand in hand too often no it's not a common thing yeah yeah i like that which is funny because they all wield axes <laughs> yeah also i think it would be a good thing if you were like an escaped drow or something to have as like you have knowledge of this you're like yeah I, when i escaped i went through this weird hold and i could see there was like treasure there you know kind of like how some people can have a treasure map from their like life events kind of like a treasure map but like you've seen this before and you could like lead your party back of like bruh going through this weird thing bruh Go. character concept that's a good i love that okay so you're an escape drow you found your way out through this place right mm -hmm. you only found your way out because of these dwarf ghosts they either helped you on purpose mm -hmm. without them knowing it you know they did some weird thing that sort of they they mistook you for someone else yeah because they're cuckoo bananas or they did it completely by accident but either way you only escaped drow alive the underdark alive because of this dwarf hold and specifically because it's dwarves right mm -hmm. so you vow you're an you're you could be a drow paladin you don't have to be other people can take oaths not just paladins but so you're like a drow paladin and you have sworn an oath of let's say redemption maybe devotion mm. to lay these spirits to rest mm. you searched the hold you couldn't search it very much though it's a very dangerous place but you found a family name you went to the nearest city looked up stuff discovered something about this family name that escaped the hold when when atrocity struck you track down the last descendant of this family line that descendant is your other party member yeah yeah that's cool i like that i like that a lot and so you are a drow who have come and specifically sought out the other party member dwarf and either session one is you two finding each other or session one is you've already found each other and this is just your that's backstory. Cool. i think it would be kind of fun if session one you know, you have the party split and you start with the drow entering yeah. the city and then you cut to the dwarf doing whatever the dwarf is doing. Maybe the dwarf is already friends with the halfling of the party. I think that could be fun. And then so eventually the drow and the dwarf meet and the drow explains the situation and the dwarf is like, holy <laughs> shit. Yeah, fuck yeah. I'm down, buddy. Let's go free my family. Hold. I forgot about that place or whatever. It's up to y'all. But I think that would be such a fun connected backstory. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really cool. I like that And a lot. an unlikely pair. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It could be an odd couple. 
Where like yeah, yeah, his devotion to let's save these dwarves was like I, but I think you're a dick. Like I don't actually like you, or you find you annoying, or like really hard to deal with. Yeah, like the drow is just doing this out of some you know uh, sense of honor or justice, right? Uh, uh, yeah, of repentance or paying back, right? Absolution. This kind of sense of payback in a good way. I think it's fun. And over yeah. the course of the adventure, you come to love each other's uh, idiosyncrasies and kind of uh, <laughs> you know because one's the loudmouth dwarf and one's the mean nasty drow. But by the end of the adventure, you come to feel like your brothers. Yeah, I love that. I love that a lot. Your siblings. This this backstory works for any dwarven stronghold too. Yeah, sure. What you do is if you're in another one, the drow escapes through a dwarven stronghold that is filled with orcs, the classic one, right? Mm-hmm. And there is two dwarves who are back, and they have the opportunity to get their stronghold back. But they see you there about to die, and they give up their chance to save their ancestral home to save you. Right. And they go... They go, find our grandkid, Feldabar. And Feldabar is the other player character. Right, yeah, yeah, that's true. It works with any dwarven stronghold. This is a sweet backstory. Yeah. Because they're all underground. They all connect to the Underdark. They all connect, yeah, all connect. Yeah, I think that's great. The Lost Peaks are two small mountains in a northwestern wood that are the source of the River Desarin, as well as homes to Kored and Satyrs on the lower slopes and in the woods, as well as Satyrs. Rumor and legends place the Fountain of Memory here, on high plateaus in the small caves near the zenith of one of the lost peaks. The fountains are magical pools that reflect views of Faerun's past. Whether it is the recent past, long past history, or a personal past of the viewer. Waters also allegedly form gates that allow instantaneous travel to the places viewed. However, it is unclear whether the exact time periods viewed can be reached rather than just the place. Some legends link the fountains to the powers of Tepan, the dancing gods of the Kored, but his magical fountains are said to be in a peaceful glade rather than a mountain plateau or cave. Within the slopes of the easternmost lost peaks, a dead dwarven hold lies undisturbed as it has for 12 centuries. Should anyone discover its entrance, they discover a dwarven mining facility still filled with forms of dwarves. Mysteriously, the entire place is dead as are its inhabitants, but some foul magics hold every dwarf upright and in place, performing the actions of the corpse the corpse was doing when it died. Whatever destroyed this place killed everyone unaware and instantly, as most of the skeleton dwarves working at mining or smelting at dusty, long-dead forges or pounding out metal for weapons. It is truly eerie to walk through the halls, finding dwarf skeleton forms still hard at work long after death. Same backstory. Yep, pretty much. (laughs) Yeah. Same connected backstory, but for this place. These pools, these mm-hmm. uh, fountains of memory, really cool kind of yeah. oh, place yeah. MacGuffin or plot coupon. You know, instead of it being an item, they have to go find the fountains of memory because there's a place in history that has the information you need, but it is completely lost to time. Oh, yeah. But if you could just see it through these pools the way it was, like it's it's not even like... A, a, a written article what it is is that like ten thousand years ago there was a tower in waterdeep or a tower in neverwinter or a tower in the Uthgart tribe territory but that tower has been gone for centuries no mm. one remembers where it was people barely even know the tower existed but underneath that tower is what you need so you yeah. have to go to the fountains of memory here and look at that region yeah in the time period that the tower stood you know, you have to look at Waterdeep 20,000 years ago. You have to look at Neverwinter 10,000 years ago. You have to look at the Uthgar tribe place a thousand years ago and see it when the tower was still there. And then 
I think connecting it to something like the Uthgar, just to bring it back to the beginning of the episode, would be fun. Because, of course, so you look in the pool and you find out where the tower is and you need to go under it. Modern day, it's right smack dab in the middle of the main camp of the Bear Tribe. Yeah. You know, and you're like, God fucking damn it. We got to go fucking barter with these goddamn barbarians so that we can dig a hole in the middle of their camp. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. I like then that. You get, there's, then there's two quests there. If you have a lot of yeah. charisma characters, they barter their way through. If you have sneaky mm-hmm. characters, it becomes a break in and entering. Right. You know, because there's too many barbarians to fight. So you're going to yeah. sneak through, find X marks the spot and get in there before anyone even knows you're around. Yeah, yeah. Or like if you have to like dig for a while, you like sneak into a tent, knock the people out, and then, like, have to, like, secretly dig in the tent. <laughs> I, could, I could picture the shot if it was a TV show of, you know, the tent lifts yeah. up one inch and you just see the feet underneath all going shuffle, 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 stop. The coast is clear. Pick up. Shuffle, 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 shuffle. And then when they're digging, the uh, person on watch, he is, ah, Grogan, wasn't this tent over there before? Ah, Svorn, you've had one too many ale. No, but uh, it was my tent. And then the party hears that and goes, yeah. shit. And the DM's like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? He's walking towards the tent. He thinks he he already thinks something's up. Um, Great. Fantastic scene. Great. <laughs> great scene. That's what I would use these fountains of memory for. I think I would use a fountain of memory for as well as that. I think it's cool. But I think I'd use it if you had a returned character who has like shoddy memories or like yeah. to like go. Cause it says it goes to the place, like go to the place that you were killed or like someplace you have fake memories of. So like you get them to the map fountain of memory and they have to try to remember their past to show it. So you can go to the portal to wherever this place is. I've always liked when things serve a double purpose mm-hmm. and I think that'd be really cool. Like let's think of, so in our campaign, right. Let's say for some reason you need to do what I was just talking about, right? So you want to go to the Fountains of Memory. Yeah. But then when you learn about the Fountains of Memory, Sigrid, who's an amnesiac, freaks the fuck out. Yeah, right. And is like, that exists? What? And now there's a double investment of finding this. Yeah, there's the quest, and everyone's always invested in the quest, but you're always more invested in your personal thing. And so now it adds this personal investment of... This is a, we could maybe find where the tower was without the pools and the pools are really out of the way. And so you have kind of a branching path here. Do we try and do it a different way and find out where the tower was through, you know, scrounging the archives or do we go to the fountains of memory? Well, now that, like you were saying, you can use it for a shoddy memory character. Now that Sigrid is invested in this, you know, the rest of the party will agree and be like, yep, fountains of memory. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Yeah. Two birds with one stone. Perfect. Yeah, I think that's really cool. I like it as a, yeah, as you said, MacGuffin area and like area that you can get this little reward for someone with a shoddy memory, whether it be they remember more when they're there or like if they only remember a castle and they're like, oh, I think that castle is where I died or where I lived. Well, once it shows up, they can go into the fountain and teleport to the castle and then you figure out where it is finally, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then Korids. Korids are interesting. We, I don't think we've ever talked about Korids. Weird fey dwarves. Yeah, they're like weird fey dwarves. They're like super hairy. Like they're just they like... They have magic hair. They're what? They have magic hair. They have magic hair? Oh, yeah? It is a 50-foot long rope woven out of its hair. <laughs> oh, wow. Command such rope within 30 feet of it to move up to 20 feet and entangle a large or smaller creature that the Korid can see. Oh, that's fun. I like them. It is, it is a rope of hair that is... It is 
I always imagine it is still connected to their head. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I don't think it actually is, but it's made out of the head from their hair. They look like they're made of rock, too. They look mm-hmm. like stony earth. They also have freaking goat hooves. Yeah, yeah, like the satyr goat hooves. Yeah, I think they're cool. They have, like, different gods that they believe in. I don't know. I think they're an interesting fey race to bring out. And the one that's not, like, overdone, like satyrs or centaurs. Like, I think it's a fun one to pull out. They're just fey dwarves, but they're also weird because, like, they can throw a rock that does 29 damage on a hit. <laughs> and it can do <laughs> that great. twice. It can do that <laughs> twice. Their fucking great club does 29 damage, too. It's ridiculous. Oh, no. I love this about them. So their mystical connection to the earth is the rock and the club only do 10 damage unless okay. they're on the ground. Okay. Meaning you're getting <laughs> fucked up by these corids. They have a they have a weakness that isn't just we need fire damage. The weakness is we need to levitate them or we need oh, to yeah, get block and tackle. We need to pick them up. <laughs> yeah. We need to set up some uh, snare trap so they hang up in the air and they lose all their powers. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> They can also cast Otto's Irresistible Dance, which I think is hilarious for these guys. They're like, go away, dance. And then you get stuck standing there dancing while they leave and, or rob you. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's fun that I have that kind of weakness. Uh, I freaking love the idea of running into these guys. They can meld into stone. So, like, you're walking through this corridor, right? And, okay, Otto's Irresistible Dance is a fifth level spell that just makes you dance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get stuck there. You can't move. And you just dance. Mm-hmm. You can regain gain control of yourself as an action, but so I think it'd be really funny. You're like wandering down this corridor and the person in the back. Right. Irresistible yeah. dance. You don't see who did it. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck? Because they're all melded into stone. Uh, melded into stone is eight hours and no concentration. Just peek their head out, make you dance. One yeah. by one, they try and make the entire party dance. If they successfully get the whole party dancing, they pop out of the walls and they go, ah, this is our home. Why are you here? You're paying the tax and they just fucking rob you as you dance. They just come up and like take off your belt while you're dancing and then pop back into the stone with your shit. They also have advantage on stealth checks an advantage on stealth checks and a plus five. They're sneaky. So like they're sneaky. So like, I think that would be a hilarious (laughs) encounter. And then the party just gets pissed off, goes and tries to find their stuff back. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's great. Yeah. These are great. I can't. I can't. Something is something is wrong, that's, guys. I said something. What's wrong? I can't. I can't stop doing this irresistible jig. I know I look great doing it, but I don't feel good. And the other one's like, "Oh no, I'm starting to feel the dance too." <laughs> oh, oh shit! What's <laughs> happening? Why am I dancing? <laughs> yeah, I love it. There's like the one character who gets left yeah. not dancing, and they're like, "What, what is, is happening?" happening and then they get hit in the head with a yeah. rock. There's 29 damage. <laughs> Uh, that's great it's hilarious that's it for our journey today remember that a bath episode is always as good as a beach episode damn straight next episode we'll cover the high forest oh i'm excited for the high forest it's huge. yeah i don't know if it's yeah gonna be a one episode thing i haven't started getting into it but unicorn run unicorn, unicorn run. run yeah exactly <laughs> thank you lily for joining me yeah and blend us for the theme music around the fire. You can find them on Bandcamp. Links in the description of the episode. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And have a great long rest. Bye.